0: Well, what is it that you feel when you feel I? I'll tell you. What do you do when somebody says, pay attention? What is uh, the difference between looking at something and taking a hard look at it? Or between hearing something and listening intently? What's the difference? What's the difference between waiting while something goes on and enduring it? Why The difference is this, that when you pay attention, instead of just looking, you screw up your face, you frown and stare. That is a muscular activity around here. When you will, you grit your teeth or clench your fists. When you endure or control yourself, you pull yourself together, physically, and therefore you get uptight. You hold your breath, you do all kinds of muscular things to control the functioning of your nervous system and none of them have the slightest effect on the proper operation of the nervous system. If you stare at things, you will rather fuzz the image than see them clearly. If you listen intently by concentrating on muscles around the ears, you will be so much attending to muscles here that you won't hear things properly and you may get singing in the ears if you tighten up with your body to pull yourself together all you do is constrict yourself i remember in school i sat next to a boy who had great difficulty in learning to read and what they always say to children is try if you can't do something it must try so the boy tries and what has he done when he's trying to get out words he grunts and groans as if he were lifting weights and the teacher's impressed. The boy's really trying, gives him B for effort. Oh, <laughs> <All> he's doing <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with it. Now we all make this muscular straining w- w- with the thought that it's achieving psychological results. The sort of psychological results it's intended to achieve. Now all this amounts to is it's like you're taking off in a jet plane. You've got a a mile down the runway and the thing isn't up in the air yet and you get nervous. So you start pulling at your (laughs) seatbelt. That's what it is. Now that is a chronic feeling. We have it in us all the time and it corresponds to the word I. That's what you feel when you say I. You feel that chronic tension because when an organ is working properly you don't feel it. If you see your eye, you've got cataract. (laughs) If you hear your ears, you've got singing in your ears, you know, getting in the way of hearing. When you are fully functioning, you are unaware of the organ. When you're thinking clearly, your brain isn't getting in your way. Actually, of course, you are seeing your eyes in the sense that everything you see out in front of you is A condition in the optic nerves at the back of the skull that's where you're aware of all this but you're not aware of the eye as the eye I'm talking about the optical eye so when we are aware of the ego eye we are aware of this chronic tension inside ourselves and that's not us it's a futile tension So when we get the illusion, the image of ourselves married to a futile tension, you've got an illusion married to a futility. (laughs) And then you wonder why I can't do anything. Why I feel in the face of all the problems of the world, impotent. And why I somehow cannot manage to transform I. Now here we get to the real problem. Because we're always telling each other that we should be different. I'm not going to tell you that tonight. Why not? Because I know you can't be. Nor can I. That may sound depressing, but I'll show you it isn't. It's very heartening. (coughs) But everybody, you see, who is at all sensitive and awake to their own problems and human problems is trying to change himself. We know we can't change the world unless we change ourselves. If we are all individually selfish, we're going to be collectively selfish. If we don't really love people and only pretend to, somehow we've got to find a way to love. After all, it's said in the Bible, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God and your neighbor as yourself. You must love. Yeah, we all agree. Sure. But we don't. In fact, one psychologist very smartly asked a patient, with whom are you in love against? And this is particularly becomes appalling when we enter into the realm of higher things, by which I mean spiritual development. Everybody these days is interested in spiritual development. And uh, wisely, because we want to change our consciousness. Many people are well aware that this egocentric consciousness is a hallucination. And that uh, they presume it's the function of religion to change it because that's what the Zen Buddhists and yogis and all these people in the Orient are doing. They are changing their state of consciousness to get something called Satori or mystical experience or Nirvana or Moksha or what have you. And everybody around here is really enthused about that because uh, you don't get that in church I mean there have been Christian mystics but the church has been very quiet about them. (laughs) But in the average church, all you get is talk. There's no meditation, no spiritual discipline. They tell God what to do, interminably, as if he didn't know. And then they tell the people what to do, as if they could or even wanted to. And then they sing religious nursery rhymes and then to 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 cap it all the Roman Catholic Church which did at least have an unintelligible service which was (laughs) which was you know it was real mysterious and suggested vast magic going on they went and put the thing into bad English and they took away incense and they took away they became a bunch of Protestants and the thing was just terrible so now all these Catholics are at loose ends as Claire Booth Luce put it, not to be a pun, but she said, you know, it's no longer possible to practice contemplative prayer at Mass. Because you're being advised, exhorted, edified all the time. And it becomes a bore. Think of God listening to all those prayers. We're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's just awful people have no consideration for God at all (laughs) so but in in pursuing these spiritual disciplines yoga and Zen and so forth and uh, also psychotherapy there comes up a big difficulty and the big difficulty is this I want to find a method whereby I can change my consciousness but the therefore to improve myself but the, the self that needs to be improved is the one that is doing the improving and so I'm rather stuck I find out the reason that I think I believe say in God is that I sure hope that somehow God will rescue me. In other words, I want to hang on to my own existence. And I feel rather shaky about doing that for myself, but I just hope there's a God who will take care of it. Or, if I could be loving, I would have a better opinion of myself. I'd feel better about it. I could face myself as people say if I were more loving so the unloving me somehow by some gimmickry has to turn itself into a loving me and this is just like trying to lift yourself off the ground with your own bootstraps it can't be done and that's why religion in practice mainly produces hypocrisy and guilt because of the constant failure of these enterprises people go and study Zen and they come back and say, wow, getting rid of your ego is a superhuman task. I assure you, it's going to be very, very difficult to get rid of your ego. You're going to have to sit for a long time and you're going to get the sorest legs. It's hard work. And all you wretched kids who think you're getting rid of your ego on pot or something or other and uh, easy yoga, you don't know what you're in for when it really comes down to the nitty gritty. You know, the biggest ego trip going is getting rid of your ego. And the joke of it all is your ego doesn't exist. <laughs> There's nothing to get rid of. It's an illusion, as I tried to explain. But you still want to ask how to stop the illusion. Now who's asking? I mean do you think in the ordinary sense in which you use the word I how can I stop identifying myself with the wrong me? (laughs) Well the answer is simply you can't. Now the Christians put this in their way when they say that mystical experience is a gift of divine grace man as such cannot achieve this experience. It is a gift of God and if God doesn't give it to you there's no way of getting it. Now that is solidly true. You can't do anything about it because you don't exist.